Welcome to Maranatha Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Femi Fenoyo. We have joined a series that I've been doing on Maranatha YouTube teaching channel titled The Bible. We have joined the series at the beginning of another season, which we have titled The Story of the Whole Bible. Let's read from the book of Genesis chapter 15. Let's read verses 1 to 4 first. After this thing, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abraham said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham, Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast not given no seed. And lo, one born in my household is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. Now let's read verses 8 to 10. And Abraham said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And God said unto Abraham, Take me an ephah of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle-dove, and a young pigeon, and he took unto him all this and divided them in the midst and laid each piece one against another, but the birds divided he not. So let's read verses 17 and 18 now. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. Verse 18, in the same day, the Lord made and made a covenant with Abram saying unto thy seed, have I given this land from the river? of Egypt unto the great river of Euphrates. I've read this because it's setting a space for us for what we are going to be dealing with tonight by the grace of God. Over the time we have looked at the word that I use for covenant. You remember what we said, Bereth, Diatiki, Testamentum, different language, Hebrew, Greek, Latin. And then we have looked at the English word covenant. So in defining those words, we have actually defined covenant and we have looked at some elements of covenant, which we are going to go on today. So we see that covenant is a relationship between two parties. Okay. It can be more than two parties, but there are at least two parties in a covenant. So covenant talk about relationships. So first of all, when we talk about covenant, we talk about relationship and we talk about relationship between two parties. Number two, it involves permanent and serious commitment. So when we talk about covenant, there is commitment. And the word here is serious commitment. And the other word is permanent commitment. And it's a commitment of faithful, loyal love, obedience, and trust. And we are going to build on some of this thing that I'm defining today by looking at examples in the scripture. We have looked into four essential elements. We've lo- we look at oaths. And commitment at the center of covenant is an oath and it's a commitment. And this oath and commitment are then based on the other two essential elements. They are based on grace and they are based on friendship. They are based. So we have the foundation of oath, the centrality of oath and commitment. But in a covenant, those are based on grace and friendship. And we are going to look a little bit more into that. So we have seen that covenant is based on mutual understanding. There's a mutual understanding between the two parties. And obviously, there's a formal pledge of commitment to keep the agreement. Now, a gentleman by the name of Daniel C. Lane, Daniel C. Lane, defined covenant as follows, and I will read, quote, A berith, obviously, that is the Hebrew word for covenant. So a covenant is an enduring agreement 
which establishes a defined relationship between two parties involving a solemn binding obligation to specified stipulation on the part of at least one of the parties towards the other, which is taken by oath under threat of divine curse and ratified by a visual, a visual ritual. And this actually reminds us of the six generally accepted treaty pattern that we dealt with the last time when we were looking at covenant in the time or in the ancient Near East. And I'm going to go over these six today because today I want to see the parallel. I want to go into the Bible and look at parallel in the Bible that parallel this six pattern that we see in ancient Near East. We said, first of all, there's the preamble where there is an introduction, things like this are the word of this great king, so-and-so. That's number one. Number two, there's an historic prologue. In, there is, there's a prologue, there's an history that led us to where we are. Things like, I have taken you out of here, da, da, da. Then there's stipulation or obligation, that is number three. Number four, there's the position of the covenant. The covenant, the agreement is written down in the document, and that agreement is put in a place, usually in a temple. And it is put there so that the covenant can be revisited for periodic public reading. Number five, there are witnesses. Obviously, in pagan, secular world, it always involves people invoking gods that are called to enforce the covenant. And then number six, there are causes and blessings that are invoked. So we have the preambles, historical prologue, stipulations or obligation, the position of the, of the document, witnesses that are called upon, and then finally causes and blessings. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to take this six generally accepted basic treaty pattern that is used. Remember, these are the ones that scholars have agreed that are essential. Now, there may be more. There are more, but this six, the scholars agree that from looking at all the archaeological findings and all the literatures and things, these are the six basic essential patterns that are used in ancient Near East. Okay, and I'm going to look at this six. Remember, we are going from the secular now. I'm going to look at the six, and I'm going to look into the Bible and see how they are, we can see example of this in the scriptures. So I'm going to take the number one to three together. You know, number one to three, we're talking about the preamble, we are talking about the historic prologue and we are talking about the stipulation or obligation. So what I want to do is to read Exodus chapter 20. You know, Exodus chapter 20, that was when God came into covenant preeminently with the children of Israel on Mount Sinai. You remember that? Okay. I'm going to read some couple of verses from that chapter. And when I read that, I want you to see the preamble. I want you to see the historical prologue and I want you to see the stipulation. I will read it first, then I will make some comments. Exodus chapter 20 from verse 1 to 5a. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord thy God, which has brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. You can see straight away the first two elements. Number one, we have the pre preamble. Who is talking here? I am the Lord 
that God. People of that culture knew straight away that this is a language of covenant. This is the greater party here. And this is the preamble. This is the introduction. Is This is what you do when you make covenant. So the children of Israel understood when God comes to Abraham and said, I am the Lord your God, or I am the Lord God who created, or no, they knew straight away. When God began to speak, they knew straight away that this is the language of covenant. So that is the preamble we see there. I am the Lord your God. So when you read that in the scripture, now every time you read that, you understand what is happening in here. This is a covenant language. And then we have that historic prologue, isn't it? Number two, that's the second element. What did he say? He said, I am the Lord thy God, which has brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. So in that one sentence, we have the historic prologue. The first one is the preamble. The second one is actually an historic product. Look, you are here because I intervene. Obviously, this I, I've intentionally chosen a shorter one. I could have chosen a longer one. Okay, how he delivered them from Egypt, how he did it by the by his outstretched hand, and how he sent his angel to go before them to lead them up, how he divided the rest. Those are all historical prologues. This is what I have done something. And this is why you are here. In fact, the fact that you are standing here on the ground of grace, you remember what we said grace and friendship you are not standing here in this place of covenant because of something that you have achieved by yourself or because you have you know you 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 have deserved this is because of my grace that you are here so we see the preamble we see the historical prologue and number three we began to see the stipulation obviously in this particular case i didn't go ahead to read the stipulation are what we call the Ten Commandments in this particular part of Exodus chapter 20. And I can read other part of the scripture for you, even in the New Testament, that you can straight away actually pick out these three elements. That is the first three elements. Now let's look at number four element, talking about the documents. And, and this is really, really important. And I'm going to swing back to this in the New Testament. If not today, the next teaching by the grace of God. We said that the fourth element here is that the document provision is made for the document to be deposited in a safe place so that periodically the document can be brought out and be read. What do you see over <clears throat> and over again in the scripture? That that the document was actually deposited in the temple. That is where the document, what was the document of the covenant that God has with the children of Israel in the Old Testament? It was the Old Testament document. First of all, the Torah, and also we then have all the other books of the Old Testament covenant that were added to it. But what we'll do is actually to read an interesting story in 2 Kings chapter 22, talking about Josiah. Again, we are going to pick and choose because it's a long one. But let's read the introduction in verse 1 just so that it can set for us a foundation, isn't it? Verse 1, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 30 and one years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jedida, the daughter of Adiah the of Bukat. Now, that is the introduction. Here we are talking about the situation of Josiah. He was one of the good kings. Now, verse 3, And it came to pass in the 18 years of King Josiah that the king sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, described to the house of the Lord, saying, So the king actually sent this, is 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 dependent, dependable scribe. Yeah, he, he sent Shaphan to 
the house of the Lord. Now, there was something else he, he sent Shaphan to go and do. We are not going to go into that. So the king, he has something to do with money for the house of God and all those and all those. But then when Shaphan got to the temple, Ilka, the high priest, then told him something, verse 8. After Shaphan has delivered his message, Ilka, the high priest, then said unto Shaphan, describe, that this is important, I have found the book of the law <laughs> in the house of the Lord. And Hilka gave the book to Shaphan and he read it. Now, this is very, very important. Now, I'm still going to read more, but let me, let me, let me make a comment here. He said, I have found the book of the law. Now, this is the book of covenant. This is the book of the covenant that God made with his people. Remember, that book contains the stipulation. That book contains the agreement. And the process and the procedure and all that is in this book. Now, this is the book of covenant that God made with his people as the senior greater partner party in this covenant. And he said, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. The book of covenant is often kept in the temple. The book of covenant, it is the covenant that God made with his people. And that book was kept in the house of of the Lord. And this is very, very important. And that is fulfilling for us that fourth element of the sixth element that we see in, in the pattern of the covenant that we see in the ancient Near East. Okay. That book was there. Why was the book in the temple? It's so that it can be read and so that it can be obeyed, so that the priest and the scribe can teach it to the people, and so that with the king and the priest, it can be obeyed. Unfortunately, because of the pollution and the apostasy and the, you know, the backsliding of the children of Israel, they have forsaken the Lord their God, they have forgotten, you know, his covenant. So, Ilka, let's put that back on. So, Ilka gave this book to the scribe, Shaphan and Shaphan read it. Then what happened after that? Let's go to verse 10. And Shaphan, the scribe, showed the king. So Shaphan obviously took this book and went to the king. Verse 10 again. And Shaphan, the scribe, showed the king, saying, Ilkiah, the priest, has delivered me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. And it came to pass when the king had heard the word of the book of the law that he rent his clothes. He rent his clothes. He rent his clothes. Now, this is very, very important. What's the big deal here? You read a book and you rent your clothes. Now, this is the thing when you study the Bible, that when you study the Bible, and you see the reaction that seems to be out of sync with what you are reading. Oftentimes, it's because we are missing something. Oftentimes, it's because we don't understand what is going on. Oftentimes, it's because we don't understand the culture. If the reaction seems to be in the essence of what we will say, well, well fear, you know, why you, he rent his clothes. The question is why? Why did he rent his clothes? It's because Josiah understood what was at stake. The, suddenly, the scribe, Shaphan, read this book and Josiah went white. And Josiah knew we are in trouble. Or this is why we are in trouble. Because Josiah and consequently all the other people around him knew what was at stake. Now let's read because this verse actually tells us and shine the light for us what is at stake. I'll read verse 11 again. And it came to pass that when the king had the words of the book of the Lord that he rent his clothes, verse 12, and the king commanded Elkiah the priest and Haikam, the son of Shaphan, and Ashbor, the son of Micaiah, and Shaphan the scribe, and Asahiah, a servant of the king, saying, 
Go ye and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that is found. For this is why he rent his clothes. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not acted unto the words of this book to do according unto all that which is written concerning us. Now you can see straight away because Josiah knew straight away that this is why we're in the pickle that we are in. This is why we're in the problem that we are in. We are under curse. We are under the wrath of God because we have broken covenant. That sin is not just sin. When we sin, we are breaking a covenant. And when we break covenant, we put ourselves under curse, under wrath. And this is the reason why Josiah was very afraid why Josiah was so sad that he rent his clothes and if you read that story that reaction that reaction and that response of 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 repentance that response of doing something to remedy the situation actually brought up a positive reaction from the Lord but what I want you to see here now we are not <laughs> we are not actually talking about what happened there we are looking at that fourth element of this pattern of covenant that we see in the ancient Near East. And we are going to the Bible as it were to pull example from the Bible to see how that plays, plays out in the Bible. The, the law, the book of the law is the book of covenant. And it was deposited where? In the temple. They have the temple. The temple actually is a place where covenant plays out. Okay. is the temple of God. And the covenant, the book of law was put in that temple. You see, what you go and do in the temple is not to entertain. Is not to buy and sell. It's a place of covenant. It's a place where covenant is lived out, where covenant is rem rem reminded and remembered, where covenant is lived out, where covenant is, is, we are reminded of the covenant again so that we can go out and live it out, okay? It's a place where we come into fellowship with our covenant senior partner, okay? Where we can receive grace and friendship and we, where we can receive blessing that comes from that covenant we so the temple is actually an emblem of covenant an emblem as it were of blessing if we are keeping the covenant an emblem of grace an emblem of love if we are keeping the covenant but we are we are i've gone ahead of myself here but we are looking at the fourth of this pattern of the covenant that we see in the ancient near his the document deposited in the temple so that it can be brought up for periodic reading so that people can be encouraged and help in keeping the covenant. Now we're going to take the fifth and the sixth together and then we'll end it today. The number five, number five, the gods were called as a witness. Remember we're talking about the pagan ancient near is the gods are called as witness and number six, there are, you know, there are causes and blessings that are, Proclaim. Now, there are so many, so many places I could take you to here to actually look at this. But we are going to read Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24. And this was the time we are reading Joshua chapter 24. Again, we're not going to read the whole thing. We are going to choose, pick and choose the verses just to get a, a sense of what is going on. And this was the time when, when Joshua was actually rehearsing the covenant. This is a solemn rehearsal of the covenant that God made with the children of Israel in the wilderness. And what we call the covenant of Moses or covenant in Mount Sinai, whatever you want to call it here. 
And here we see Joshua. Joshua was coming towards the end of his life and he was rehearsing this covenant before the people. So let's read verses 1 to 3. And Joshua gathered all the tribe of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers. And they presented themselves before God. Remember, not before Joshua. Joshua called the meeting, but they presented themselves before God. Verse 2, And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, your father dwelt on the other side of the flood in the old times, even Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nacor, and they serve other gods. And I took your father from Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. Now, let me stop there. Now, you can see straight away that you can actually see the first <laughs> other, other pattern that we have, we have seen before. God introduced himself. And then we are seeing historical preambles here. This is what <laughs> God has done. You will see, you will see this all the time. It's all over scripture. This is not God boasting or God just trying to be, you know, self, uh, so, you know, self-involving. No, this is covenant. This is the, this is covenant language. And this is exactly the language that Joshua was, you know, was showing before the people. Now let's read verse 16, verse 16. And the people said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve the other God. That just because, um, Joshua ran through the, the stipulation of the covenant and was warning them against the, 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 the reward or the punishment, not reward now. Yes, reward of if they kept the, the covenant, but punishment if they broke the covenant. Verse 16, and the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Now let's go on. Verse 17, for the Lord, our God, he it is that brought us from and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage and which did those great signs in our sight and preserve us all the ways where we, we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, even the Amorites, which dwelleth in the land. Therefore, we will, will we also serve the Lord for he is our God. Verse 20. Joshua then said, if you forsake the Lord and serve strange God, then it will turn and do you hurt and consume you after that he has done you good. And the people said unto Joshua, nay, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, you are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen, that you have chosen you the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. I mean, like I said, even in, I could have read this one verse to cover every single one of this element. You can see the people themselves rehearsing everything, the historical prologue. And this is one of the things that people do in those days. Father will have to rehearse this thing before their children. They do it in the synagogue. They do it in the temple. It's so that we can put the covenant in front of us so that we can fulfill it and obey it. And when we do that, we actually are putting ourselves in a good place to receive the blessing. But here also he was talking about the cause that will come upon them if they disobey. But here we are talking about witnesses. Obviously, God is not going to call other gods to be a witness because the gods of the pagan are no gods, okay? But here there are witnesses. The people themselves and God are witnesses, as it were, to this covenant. So what we have done today is to go through these six element of the covenant that we see through archaeological finding in the ancient Near East and actually look at parallel throughout the scripture. And in doing that, it's helping us to see actually the centrality and the importance and the reality of covenant so that you and I can understand that we 
serve a God who is a covenant-keeping, a covenant-giving, a covenant-keeping God, and that we can understand that we are still living in a covenant with God, and we can take advantage of that covenant, and we can walk in the blessing and avoid the cause that come from breaking the covenant. Thank you so much for joining me today, and if you are listening to me, listen, you can come into a, re- a covenantal relationship with God through the blood of His Son that was shed on the cross. That cross <laughs> is actually a covenant event. There's a covenant event that's taking place on that cross. That cross is a covenant event. The blood of Jesus is a blood of the new covenant. And through that blood, you can come into a relationship with God today. You just need to accept. Now, you cannot change the terms of this covenant. We've seen that. You can reject it, but if you reject it, then you will have to face the consequence. But you can accept it and then begin to experience all the blessing of salvation, of relationship with God. And when this is all over, you will spend eternity with him and be a member of the household of God. Do it today. Just come and just go to the Lord Jesus and say, I'm a sinner. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Save me and a week. It will, it will change you from the inside out. It will begin to walk with you. It will begin to grow. And when this is all over, you will spend eternity with him. Do it today, right now, because tomorrow may be too late. We sincerely invite you to check out our teachings on YouTube Maranatha Teaching Channel. They will bless you. Thank you.